I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Away for another Vaughan boundary. <laughs> Well, he's a great fieldsman, Philip Tuffner. He often falls over and he's brought it into his batting as well. Hello and welcome to the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by the Daily Telegraph. My name is Ben Wright, a full-time journalist and part-time cricket obsessive for the Telegraph. I'm joined once again by Michael Vaughan and Phil Tufnell, hopefully in slightly less chaotic circumstances than last week. And I'm delighted to say we'll also be joined by former Somerset and England opener and current batting coach Marcus Triscothic. We'll get a view from inside the transformed England dressing room, insight into working with the likes of Ollie Pope and Alex Lees, and detail on what exactly his role with England entails. We'll also get his take on the third and final test with New Zealand, which gets underway at Headingley on Thursday. England's one-day side wrapped up their three-match series against the Netherlands with ease over the weekend, despite the convincing win, there remains big concerns over the form of Owen Morgan, who went for two consecutive ducts. We'll discuss his poor form and ask if his role in the one-day setup is under threat. And after the chaos of Trent Bridge last week, I'm delighted to say the mailbag is back. We'll be getting stuck into some of your emails and letters from the past few weeks. So, Mike and Phil, here we are, already at episode four, and after England's test heroics at Trent Bridge and the one-day size record-breaking performance in the Netherlands, perhaps we should entitle it A New Hope. That's a Star Wars Uh, reference, by the way. (laughs) The Force is with you. Episode four, The Force is with England. The Force is with England. Well, yeah, can I start by saying, um, um, I reckon Amsterdam, Phil, is possibly... The best oh. away trip of all time. Oh, could a you imagine? A week in Amsterdam playing three games against, you know, the, the Netherlands are okay, but all those, the atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Loved every minute of it. They looked like they have a great time over there, don't they? And I bet the boys went out and celebrated as well. What a place to go, especially if you win and win well. Go to Amsterdam. What The oh. world's your oyster. Oh, <laughs> my kebabs. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Barmy Army looked like they enjoyed themselves as well. Absolutely. There were sort well, of pictures yeah. of a few of them. Having having a bit of a rest under the stands and things like that. Yeah, you need that. It's a long day, isn't it? Fifty over cricket. Um, but to think of it, four hundred and ninety-eight. I mean, wow. I know they're playing the team that they're going to get a big score. They get nearly five hundred. This this is remarkable stuff from this England white ball team. You know, the likes of Butler, Salt, 
Livingston. Oof. They can just hit a cricket ball. You know, yes, the bats are a little bit better, but it's the strength and it's the timing, it's the freedom. They kept, everything about <laughs> they kept it in the bush. They kept it in the bush. <laughs> Cost a fortune in balls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many were lost, but it looked like. I mean, they spent most of the time looking in the in the hedges. In the forest. In the forest. <laughs> a couple of grand on balls. It's cost the Netherlands cricket ball. They won't be invited in the. Hey, why I think right. This is why I think. I think this tour of three games. All right, it's in the middle of a Test series. Who cares? To those kind of countries like the Netherlands, Ireland, Scotland, that are so close to England, you know, and you could easily send your, your team up yeah, there, and it yeah. might be that half the team are secondary players. England have got that much depth in white ball cricket. I think every single year, England around this time of year should have a three ODI trip to one of Ireland, Scotland, and the Netherlands. Loads of people are going watch it. Yeah. Be a little bit of fun. It's not that serious, but what it is doing, it's hopefully giving the opportunity for. Uh, the likes of those three countries to get experience against better teams, and the only way they're going to get better is by playing more often against that style of team. So, I actually think there should be an annual tour where England say, "Okay, for the good of the game, we want to go and help our Irish cricket, Scottish cricket, or in particular Amsterdam." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, go- I'm going next time. Next time they yeah. tour the Netherlands, I'm going. We'll take the podcast to Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. That's the way forward. I, I might stick the hand up for spinner coach as well, just for that Amsterdam leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's a good idea. To, you know, I think that's a great idea. Might, the top I, three generally are the powerhouses. They get all the cash. What about giving a bit back? And that's one way that England could give back to those countries by every year just committing to a, a week's tour. It's only a week. And, and if it is that you take a completely second team, you take a complete second team, it'll still be high quality. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great idea, not only for, for, as you say, for the countries to learn and get better, but just for the fans to turn out. You know what I mean? Get yeah. that excitement, get that buzz, which then will sort of filter down into the clubs and into, you know, perhaps inspiring the youngsters to come along and sort of like, you know, want to take up the game as well. I think it's a crack you know, idea, Mike. I mean, and also most tours are actually miles away, aren't they? India, Pakistan, yeah. you know, uh, Australia, West Indies. Nice to have one a little bit closer, so you can you can go on tour, but it doesn't break yeah. the bank. The only, I guess, talking point from the cricket side of things is the captain. You know, mm. more, you know, not yeah. getting any runs. Um, it happens. You know, Owen's earned the right to make his own call. Yeah, that, that's that's the the kind of point of Owen Morgan. But he's getting towards that stage where. He will be thinking um, there are better players than me at the minute that aren't going to be in this side. So he needs runs quickly. Uh, obviously, the T20 World Cup in a few months' time in Australia, 50-over World Cup the year after in India. You know, he needs runs this summer really to... to and I think for his own way, he's not the kind of person that's going to hang around if he doesn't think he's going to be contributing to the team. I think he's contributed so much to England's white ball team, which will will carry on for many, many more years because of the style that he's brought to this team and the way that he's kind of led the team through this transition of playing the right way more aggressively than any other team. But he will be thinking privately, uh, am I worth my place in the side? Yeah. That'll be the conversation is, that he's having. Are we in sort of Mike Brearley territory here yeah. where, where his captaincy is so important that it outweighs any dip? informing his batting well uh, or is that just that's just not feasible in modern cricket well i i think that his captaincy does 
Um, I think that he's completely got a handle on it at the moment. But then, as as Vaughan is saying there, the weight of runs does come into it in the white ball game, doesn't it? Especially in the T20. But captaincy, he's just he, he just seems to have such a handle on it on the moment. And he's got the boys right where he wants them and he gets them playing exactly how he wants yeah. them. I think at the moment you, you, you let that go. But... Uh, you know, there, there will come a time, and as you said, he'll know. He'll know. I, I think Ben, his captaincy on the field is very, very good. Yeah. And, and will it be missed? Maybe, but you know, Josh Butler, a captain as well on the field. What what Morgan's done is is led the team brilliantly off the field. Yeah. You know, and he's created the buzz and the vibe and the culture around the white ball team for them to be the team that they are today. So, yes, he needs a little bit of time to try and get that form. But if that form doesn't come quickly. Um, he, he'll be having the conversations with him, so it won't it won't take any of us to say anything. Yeah. It'll be Owen Morgan that will decide upon when he feels is the right time. It might come sooner. You know, he's already said that he can't play every game because of his body, uh, so that's not going to give him a great chance of getting back into form. Because I think when you're out of form, you just need to play and get that that rhythm of play uh, once again. Um, but whether he'll make the World Cups, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he'll need a few runs because yeah. he, he, he he doesn't seem the kind of person to me that will just stay in the side if he doesn't feel that like he's contributing with the bat. Yeah. I think he'll want to contribute with the bat. And, pre- and presumably, if he wasn't in the side, he could still be part of the setup. He could still be contributing to the to the team. It's tricky, isn't it, when you leave and then to stay. You, you need that little bit of period away from yeah. the side, away from the game, just to let things settle down and then think about coming back into it. I know a few guys who have sort of left, you know, retired cricket and then stayed on at clubs to coach and what have you. It's very, very difficult to then get that right. sort of separation from the side. So you do need a little bit of time just to sort of, just to, just to take a break, you know. Um, I don't know what you think, Mike. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've never thought that, you know, if you've suddenly uh, relinquished the captaincy to, to have you hanging around the team, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily what's good for the new captain. Yeah. We'll have to see how he goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure what will happen, but, he, 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 you know, there's two, you know, look at Salt, suddenly gets 100 and a, and a 50, just looks like a player that's ready yeah. to play more yeah. consistent white ball cricket. You know, it, he won't be playing in the side when everyone's around. So um, Morgan will know that he needs uh, he needs a few runs over the next uh, few months uh, in England uh, when when we play the one days against India T20s uh, South Africa. There's loads of cricket, so there's loads of time for him to get form. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't mind, he'll want to get uh, form uh, quite quickly. So what do we what do we think the best one day side looks like? Yeah, so Bairstow comes in, and then you got Joe Root about at three. Yeah. And then he's looking at Butler that they're going to put at four. Looks like he's going to get pushed up the order. Livingston has to play, yeah. you know, with the way that he plays. You've then got the likes of Moeen Alley. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the, the Morgan. Let's go Morgan. Stokes. You know, around there. Ben Stokes, Stokes presumably comes Stokes, in instead of yeah. Sam Curran. Stokes. Uh, you know, you're kind of looking around there and thinking, wait a minute. So Roy, Bester, Root, Butler, Stokes. There's five. Livingston, there's six that have to play. Yeah. yeah. Now, where's Morgan? So Morgan's in that top seven somewhere. Moeen Alley top. There's not many left-handers other than Ben Stokes. So, um, you know, Morgan's a pivotal member of the team. He finds form because he's left-handed and he hits the spinners so well. But yeah. he just needs to find form. He needs some runs. Uh, and as I said, the strength in depth is, is ridiculous. Yeah, I was impressed. So strong. I was impressed with that cast. Um, Mike, he looks. A, yeah, he looks a player. He looks a player that could play Test cricket for me. 
Mm. I I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw a name on the pod. Rehan Ahmed playing for Leicestershire, the yeah. Foxes, 17 yeah. years of age, born in leg spin. Yeah. England's next leg spin in white ball cricket, no question. There you go. Boom. No question. I reckon he'll play for England before he's 19. There you go. There you go. Love <laughs> Actually, that. we had somebody tweet in and ask, uh, ask about him, said he was a uh, replacement for Rashid. Yeah, and another thing, another, another thing I fancy as well, and I know it's been said a few times, I fancy Lee and Livingston to play test cricket as well. I know he's getting old a little bit and he's kind of put it to one side, but yeah. what, 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 what an all-round game he's got. He can hit the ball, can't he? Oh, I mean, yeah, was, but, every, I mean, Butler was amazing. I mean, he came in with uh, 30 overs gone and got 162 off 70, but Livingston hit 66 off 22. I mean, it's a 300 strike rate. Yeah, but yeah, also... Yeah, he is a freak, as you say. Yeah. He, he hits it massive, doesn't he? But but he's, he can bowl. He, 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 I'm impressed with his spin as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think well, I reckon if there's, ever, if there's ever a test coach that would go and try and say to Liam Livingston, right, you're you're perfect for us. Particularly, you know, you go to the subcontinent, you need more spin options. Yeah, yeah. And he or leg spin, off spin. Um, yeah, I, I do think under Brendan McCullum, Liam yeah. Livingston. You'll be correct. I think he will make his test debut. Yeah. We've got uh, Marcus Truscothic coming on. Yes. Yeah, uh, England's batting guru. Yeah, it'd be uh, great to get sort of uh, an insight from inside the, the dressing room on that changed England side. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I'm going to ask him about coaching. I want to ask him about you know, the modern day celebration when they win, Phil. What yeah. does he do? Yeah, I know. Yeah, what is it? I don't know. Is it all isotonic drinks and ice bath? <laughs> what do they get up to when they win a big game like we saw at Trent Bridge? So I'm interested from Trent. One of the great men of the game, Marcus Triscothic. Yeah. I've got a belt in either or for him as well. So England produced a scintillating display of batting to secure the second test against New Zealand last week. Johnny Bairstow became the second fastest man to hit a test century for England en route to securing the win. I'm delighted to say we're joined now by a man who had a big role to play in that performance, England batting coach Marcus Triscothic. <laughs> uh, welcome, Marcus. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, from the outside, the transformation in the England team over the last two tests has appeared sort of borderline miraculous. Has it appeared more matter-of-fact from the inside, or were you pinching yourself just as much as we were up at Shrimp Bridge? Uh, I think we were all uh, megally excited, really, um, Maybe it has happened quicker than we probably expected, but I think uh, over a period of the last few months, even while in the West Indies, you're trying to, you know, evolve the batting or evolve the team um, and bring them forward and take them into the next stage of what they're going to be doing. But I think, you know, introduction of um, of Brendan in particular and obviously Ben, you know, the combination of the two, I think they've really, um, you know, pushed the guys forward and, and given them... The, ex- the allowance and the acceptance to, you know, to be them slightly freer in their game. So, you know, once you lose away a little, or take away that little bit of fear in the batting and you, you see what they can do. So um, it's it's been good for some. Obviously, it's still a few challenging for, for others. And, you know, hopefully over the period of time in the next few months uh, and the, the upcoming test matches, we'll, we'll continue to push the rest of them along with it. You, you said it's taken, hasn't taken as long for it to happen. What, what what do you mean by that? So what what needs to happen or needed to happen? Um, well, if that, that's a good, good question. I don't I don't really know what needs to happen. I think you you're just trying to allow them as a as a batting group and as a team to you know embrace um, what could possibly go on. You know how how can they play if they take away the fear of 
of failure. You know, how do we re release them from uh, the grip of um, not wanting to mess it up? And that's always a challenge, isn't it? Anyone who's, um, you know, batted for enough period of time um, would would understand sometimes when you when you have that fear. <laughs> not me. No, I don't mean that. Right. I'm shaking my head here. Sorry, go on, mate. <laughs> Well, anybody who has that, that fear when they bat sometimes find it very tricky. And, um, you know, when it's been tough and we've been on the back end of in the test matches um, and we've been scrapping away in games, that, that causes things to, to go in a certain direction. But, you know, we're trying to just gradually free them up, let them play uh, and bring bring them into the light where they're going to be the players that they can be because we know there is that the talent is there it's just allowing it to happen tresley um good to see you uh with your laundry sign behind you yeah. i must explain mark has just got he's got a laundry room i think um there you go it's, it's in the west wing that's it's very you posh get, that's you get down in somerset uh, you get laundry rooms um has it been as easy as that though tres just to have a few conversations from baz mccullum ben stoke the new skipper to the place say look just go and play you know if you get out playing certain shots don't worry we're not going to come down on you heavy uh, we expect you to be trying to impact the game with the bat in hand in terms of scoring rather than being defensive uh, is it, yeah. has it been that easy just to, to say it to the players and then just kind of go okay we'll do it I think it's probably just another step on on top of what they've been doing um, yes we've been working hard batting wise you know on some technical stuff with a few of the younger players um, people, the likes of Joe, you know, has been his normal self and just carried on playing in the same vein, um, as well as Ben Stokes, you know, I think the rest of the guys around it, you know, just needed a little bit more push and find another 5% from somewhere. And sometimes that is a conversation where, you know, from Brendan or from, um, from Ben, where they can just, you know, give them permission to express themselves a little bit more and just releases a little bit more tension and goes away. I think it does help when you, of course, when you go ahead and win the first test match like you did. Yeah. Um, and then obviously then it flows into the next one and, and you see some amazing things and amazing shots, don't you? But um, it's, a, it's been, I suppose it has been, as I said before, quite a quick turnaround in, in fortunes as it has been. Yeah, as a batting coach, Trez, uh, do you do a lot of technical stuff or is it just sort of like sidling up to them while they're having a cup of coffee and sort of saying, listen, mm. don't worry about getting out? How do you go about... How do you go about that as a batting coach? Or are you out there just... Because we see you with that dog thrower a lot, mate. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Flipping arms on, hanging off. Um, I think you, you do different things at different times. I think there are various different um, uh, improvements you're trying to make all the time um, with most of the players. And that, that will be a longer process in terms of, right, let's try and drill that in and make sure we get it consistent in the nets two days out before we go into the game on a Thursday. Sorry, and that's technique, is it? Yeah, that, that would be that would be a technique or that would be a method to what you're trying to do. Maybe learning a new style of uh, a foot movement or trying to improve a, sh a certain shot, which you know that they're going to, the bowlers are going to try and attack you in, in that area. Compared to the morning of a game, it will be very positive conversations, you know, trying to be as relaxed as possible and make them, um, feel comfortable going into the game knowing they've done their preparation and allowing them to, to free up and then watch the ball and hit it. It, it looked to um, us that the, um, some of the batsmen were taking quite funky guards at Lords and then not at Trent Bridge. Was that something that you uh, changed as a team? 
Um, no, not something I was really aware of. I, I know some of the guys, you know, look at different bowlers. Let's look at someone like De Granholm, and yeah. you see how Ben played him at, at Trent Bridge, for example. Obviously, walk to him a lot and try and just to put him off his length because he's very consistent. Um, it's not something that came up in any conversations necessarily. Um, I think everybody has their own style or you know method of what they're going to go about it. Um, I think once we got the Trent Bridge, the, the pitch was good and people were excited to go out and see what they could do, especially in the last the, the last innings of the game. Um, and it, it, it flowed there pretty much, you know, and very enjoyable to watch, as we know. Trez, um, can you take us inside that dressing room on that last afternoon where uh, I think, it, I, I, Phil, I'm not throwing you under the bus here, but at tea time when England needed 160, Phil turns to me and goes, too many, Skip, too many. You can't get 160 in the last session. Well, about 15 hours later, you'd won the game. The game was over. Yeah, with 20 hours to spare. So, I'm a bit old school. That, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've sat on that balcony in 05 where we were kind of chipping down the runs to get 120 odd to win. You know, yeah. you're now sat on that balcony as a coach. Just, just take us inside what happens on, on that balcony in the modern game compared to when we were playing. Um, I, I think the pivotal point to this was um, a, a conversation or a, a talk that Brendan gave to the team about, you know, what, you know, to make it clear what they were trying to do in this next session. Um, and I refer it back to our time, you know, when you, you spoke to us at, uh, at Edgebaston before the, the second test match in 05. Very similar, very, very calm, very um, precise in what he wanted us to do and wanted the team to go out and try and express themselves. And it, it gave, gave them the license to not worry about losing the game. And that, that really sort of took the pressure off everybody because, you know, we were going to go solely for the win of the game and we wanted to obviously make that happen. Um, you know, the rest is history in terms of how they played and what they went about it. I sat on the balcony and spoke with Brendan a little bit about it and asked him what he was thinking and, um, you know, the rest of the guys were, I think, were pr fairly clear that it was going to be a win or a loss, and that was where we were going to go. Uh, it, it's all very well and good, Trez, sort of like uh, with the likes of Johnny Bearstow, well, uh, you know, and, and Ben Stokes, sort of like, uh, you know, multi format players. Could you have said that necessarily to a team? you know, who is a little bit more orthodox. You can't just sort of go go out there and score and play innings like that if they haven't got it in them, can you really? Or can you? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm open to the idea of that. Um, <laughs> I still think that, that it's in people because we all play one-day cricket and we can express ourselves in different ways. But, you know, you've got better players that are, who are better at crossing over formats than others. Obviously, Johnny, Ben, you know, they're... They've been crossing formats for a long period of time and have the game where they can try and defend and they have the game where they can be ultra aggressive and, you know, put put bowlers under pressure. So, you know, it came off right, didn't it? You yeah. know, we, we see it, we hear a lot about the conversations and we we see the outcome and we go, Well, that's brilliant, you know, that that's that's great. You know, there there will be times when it works the opposite way and it maybe doesn't work and players don't play in the in the fashion that you want or try to and get it wrong. That, that's the key for me, having worked a little bit with the Whitewall team and Owen Morgan in particular, his having the clear message of, no, that's what we're trying to do. Let's continue to play on that same vein. No no handbrakes to what we're trying to do. We're trying to push the boundaries all the time. Um, and I think it'll be the same way in the test matches. And, and Trez, do you, do you get a sense, I mean, you know, I watch a lot of cricket, a lot of junior cricket as well, and they, 
they all seem to want to play this aggressive way and they've all got all the shots, all the tricks. So I guess you, you're working with a generation that the more uh, aligned to playing that way. If you try and get them to play, if you like the old traditional test way, you might confuse them a little bit more. So I get a sense with this group of players, that unleashing of the shackles probably that Baz and Ben have, have given them is exactly mm-hmm. what they want to hear. It's almost like a freedom to go out and express themselves. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I think we all appreciate that you need to have a certain style of technique. You, you need to have a sound method and game and defensive game to be able to succeed at any level, whether that's T20 or Test Match Cricket. But, you know, I think sometimes you go into nets and we see lots of players growing up who are brilliant net players and can really bash the ball in nets, but suddenly go into a game and freeze up because they have that expectation and fear of getting out. Suddenly, if you lose that, then then maybe the you know the feelings and the, the approach to the game is completely different if you have that. But um, so was was Root was Root doing the um, those reverse scoops in the nets before? Is that something that had been prepped, or is it just something he felt like doing once he was out there? I think that was something he'd just done out in the middle. Um, <laughs> that he's a freak. He's a freak. <laughs> we we have seen it in white ball cricket, haven't we? It's, it's not something that. We've never seen him play. We have seen him reverse scoop seamers in white ball cricket and have good success doing it. But second ball of the morning, I don't think anybody expected that. No. And, and the one in the first innings where he's gone to sweep Saudi mm. over square leg, I was almost like, what the hell's that all about? You know, because it was just so left field for Joe Root. But um, when it comes off, it looks amazing, as we know. Yeah. So hopefully it carries on that way. Yeah, you just said something there, Trez, that... It- you were going to go for that win all the way, were you? Even though you're one nil up in the series, yeah. one to play. Yeah. That was the that we're just going to go for it all the way down. Yeah, absolutely. And which is a very different approach, isn't it? Because I, I did ask him afterwards, are you thinking at all like if we get eight down of, of sort of trying to block it out for a joyce and that? <laughs> no. Let's keep going. And and, 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 will, and will that be the same approach at Headingley? Will you will you be you know, two, two, you obviously you've won the series, um, and so, mm. so I mean you've talked about the shackles being off. The shackles are really off now that you've won the series. So will it definitely yeah. be um, all out for the win? I don't see why not. I don't think that I don't think it's what's going to change. Um, I think if you want to continue to breed a team who are going to be aggressive and not fear getting things wrong, then you have to allow them to you know to continue on in that same vein, even if it means getting it wrong sometimes and um, and it costing us an important test match. I think um, if we if we continue to run towards the danger, as Brendan also said, then you know that the, it will continue to be the same way. So no draws for this England side. <laughs> Doesn't look like it, does it? <laughs> we, might, we might get quite a few days on the on the golf course on day three, day four. As a coach, the batting how refreshing is it to to work next to someone that's you know you like to be aggressive. You were an aggressive player, mm. and I always felt that you, you know you as a player like that freedom to go out and play. You know you wanted to have that freedom to play. How is yeah. it as a coach to be able to get in the dressing room now and into the nets, knowing that you're teaching players to play in a fashion that's exciting? Yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. In the fact that you know we've. We've got two or three established players in Root, Bairstow um, and Stokes. And then you've got other guys around it who are trying to find their way and improve their um, their test careers. And that's what the bit that really 
you know, flicks my switches is that, you know, to make them into that, that next part of the team and see the talent that they have to become um, a real established top seven, um, that that's really exciting for me because I think it can be, um, you know, we, it, 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 we see the talent and we know that we can push them towards what they're going to be. It's just unlocking that little, little few extra things that they have, combined with a few technical issues and t- a few technical um, changes. You know, in, in a year's time, we could see a top six, top seven who were very feared around the world in Test cricket. Great to see Ollie Pope bat at number three and, and play well and get a big hundred. Mm. Yeah, really good. Uh, you know, he's had he's been a bit up and down, hasn't it? And um, you know, in and out of the team. And he during the West Indies trip, you know, he worked brilliantly in the nets, um, preparing himself, trying to improve to know that when he gets an opportunity next time, he'll be a better place in a better place and be a better player than he was potentially when he was in Australia. So, you know, he did lots of work on various different things to improve. Um, and I think this, the early part of the summer for him playing for Surrey has been very productive. Um, and we've seen that consistently in the years playing for Surrey. It was just trying to get him and keep pushing him towards it. Now he's had the first step and it's brilliant. You know, it's great that we've got 100. We've just got to keep pushing him now, um, you know, back up, you know, back on 100 after 100 and, and sort of get that team and get that in number three where where he's, you know, really feeling comfortable and, and showing the form that we've seen he can have. And in, and in some ways, the biggest transformation uh, of all the players in, in the last couple of matches has been Alex Lees, who, who looks like he's he's completely different batsman. Can you put your finger on what's clicked for him? Um, I, well, I think he's a prime example of the conversations from Brendan, really. Yeah. Um, you know, being allowing him to go out and express himself, put the bowlers under pressure. Um, he has that game. There's no doubt about it. He has that game. We've seen it um, in county cricket, playing for Durham. Um, his white ball game is far more aggressive than what we've seen. You know, combining that with a bit of freedom and suddenly you're away in a couple of big scores. And, and he's growing all the time. Little Indians at the moment, little bits putting together, but we're, we're seeing the growth of him. You know, I think the biggest attribute for Alex is the character. You know, inside the changing room, uh, how he copes with good days and bad days, how he copes with having to go out and battle through the last five overs of the day, how he copes with that. Um, is a real big attribute that he's gonna, you know, it's gonna be a real big thing for him going forward, coping with the ups and downs of Test cricket. It's it's a big part of it. Trez, if you don't mind me saying, I've seen a few shots, particularly since the second innings at Laws. The first innings, I was a little bit wary of him. I was like, well, what's going on? And then the second innings, he got twenty. and thought he played great, and obviously he played lovely at Trent. He played one or two drives. Reminds me of you, you know, not not much foot movement, but the big unit just leaning onto it. <laughs> Ball travelling through extra cover, very similar to yourself. Trez, you've been having a word? Uh, well, of course, I, that's my job. I've got a, he's, one of my, he's one of the guys I work closely with, of course. Um, I've never tried to coach him in the same way that I've done it, that is for sure, because um, I would do it very differently if I was if I was doing it a second time round. But um, he, yeah, he, he has similar shots, doesn't he? he you know, he plays uh, the ball on the top of the banks quite often. Um, and the strong, sort of powerful, you know, sort of short, sharp striking of the ball, really. But, uh, you know, th- there's definitely more to unlock with him. There's no doubt about it. We just got to, you know, we'll, we'll keep growing him as we go along, I think. And, and can we, so someone like uh, Alex Lee's Olive Pope, 
you know, they've had a great couple of weeks in terms of their development. What, what, what do you say to someone like Zach Crawley? Who is, is it that, you know, mm. if you look at the whole team, you know, our job is to analyse and to look at the team, what's right, what's wrong. And realistically, it's just that Crawley. If Zach can get a few runs, it's almost like most of the positions are quite secure. What do yeah. you do with someone like Zach Crawley, who, who will be fit, as much as you want to give him as much positivity, he will be feeling a bit low. How do you get yeah. him into that state of mind to go out and play and get that big score? Um, yeah, you're right. I think he's the one at the moment that is, is just wanting that score, isn't he? And um, having worked with him over the period of time in the winter in the West Indies and obviously now working together this summer, it, it is more about positivity with him than anybody else. Because when he, when he feels positive and he's going out there to try and score runs, he moves better, uh, he picks his hands up better, he gets in better positions, he makes better decisions. Um, it's a, it's a continual process along that line. And it is a matter of time before he does because his ceiling is very high. Um, it's just unlocking that next step for him to go along. He's got two test hundreds um, and we are seeing growth. It's just, we'd love to see it now. We'd love to see it between even this week or next week in the, the India game, come out and show the player that what he can be. Because when he does, um, you know, I think it will back up everything that, you know, that we see from the inside, really. If if you had one bit of advice for young boys and girls now, um, you know the opening spot is a very specialised spot, isn't it? Really, mm. what yeah. what, would, what would your advice be to them about how to go about? You know, what 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 makes a great opening batsman? <laughs> um, I think that varies in different parts of the world. Um, I think you've still got to have a solid defensive technique. I think you you need to be able to keep the best balls out. Um, but at the same time, you need to have a strong method to be able to put bowlers under pressure. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at ends of the spectrum, really. Let's get a good understanding about what balls I play, what I defend, what I leave. And then what? where do I attack? How can I attack? And at what time do I attack it? And lots been made of the fact that McCullum and Stokes are quite similar similar characters. In a past mm-hmm. episode, Mike, Mike noted that you're... You have the temperament to be a, a good counterweight to that sort of axis, if you like. Is do you see that as part of your role within the setup? Um, I think I'm trying to you know, just get an understanding of what the role's going to be, really. Um, with two new guys in at the helm at present, I think you know we're all working it all out, and I think it's great that you've got good leadership from from Brenda coming in and delivering messages as he has done, uh, and Ben playing in a certain fashion and wanting to be aggressive and asking the guys also to be aggressive and constantly put pressure back on oppositions. Um, I think it's our job as, you know, the coaches behind it, myself, John Lewis, Jeetan Patel, Paul Collingwood, you know, to to challenge sometimes maybe, yeah. you know, their thinking or um, to follow up on their thinking to try and get close to the guys to um, continue that conversation and continue that positive thinking. So, you know, as a... So assistant coaches, you have many different aspects of what you have to try and do. Sometimes it's to push, sometimes it's to um, deflect and and get them going in different directions. But I think we'll, over time we will work that out, you know. And once we work together more as a group, I think we'll have a better understanding. And, and obviously, McCullum inherited his support team. Has he given any indication of when he'll make decisions about potentially changing that, or is he going to stick with it for the near term? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think he's having various conversations with all of us just to try and see what we're thinking, see what uh, our aspirations are. 
Um, and when that decision is made, I, I'm not really sure. That'll probably come from Rob or um, from Brendan himself. I'm not really sure. But obviously, they've got the, the white ball stuff's also happening currently in, in Holland at the moment. Um, there's a completely different uh, staff set up for that. So um, I think in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine, you know, things will be sort of uh, cast in iron and, and away we go from there. And, and obvious follow-up to that, what are your aspirations? Presumably you'd like to, sounds like you're enjoying yourself. I'm, I'm really enjoying what, what's going on. And obviously the last couple of test matches have been outstanding to be involved in. Um, I'd love to be involved in both, <laughs> you know. Mm. You know what what uh, is being created by Ben and, and Brendan. I think we've seen the uh, glimpses of that. It looks so exciting, doesn't it? And yeah. um, you know potential for that to grow in the next few months and years. But also the work the, the white ball team. You know they're on the verge of a you know T Twenty World Cup followed by a fifty over World Cup, and a very very exciting team. Yeah. You know it's so hard to choose. And if I had the time, I'd do both if I was allowed to because. Um, you know we're in, we're in, a, in an amazing position at the moment. What uh, with what that team could do. Tress, can I? I mean, you've been in the the coaching game for for a while now. Um, obviously, you've got a good role with England. How can English cricket develop coaches? So the next time of asking, we've got Brendan McCullum, who's started brilliantly from New Zealand. Yeah. Hugh Martin's got a great track record in, in in franchise cricket, in Australian women's cricket. And he gets the England one day job. What can we do for English coaches to make sure the next time of asking, when we're appointing mm. head coaches, potentially could be an English person that gets those roles? Yeah, it's a good one, that, right? Because I, I think it's a pivotal point of what we need to try and do. We need to improve and get better opportunities for mm. um, the English coaches. That's got to that's got to start with our own competitions. You know, we, you know, the hundred is a prime example. I know James Foster is is the first guy sort of coming in this year um, of the younger younger coaches. I know he's had experience in other T20 formats around the world and IPL with Brendan himself, but he's going to take over the Northern Superchargers, yeah, I think, isn't it? That's right. Um, that's great, you know, and and that's what personally that's what I want to see. I want to see us um, various English coaches doing the the hundred jobs very very soon. I think that'll be a, would, a would great. We, so say I, I know there might be a. a potential chance of another franchise opening up a, a coaching slot soon would you be sticking your hand up and say look I want to go and lead, lead a franchise to get some more experience the, the challenge we've got at the moment is obviously England commitments because obviously all the cricket is in the summer and being allowed to disappear off to the hundred for a for four weeks while potentially cricket's on but you know I, I do have aspirations to be head coach um, and I know that I want to do that in county cricket. I want to do that in franchise cricket and potentially um, international cricket down the line, but also foreign international T20s. So, mm. you know, at some point I'm going to have to dip out of international cricket to, to get that experience if we can't sort of correlate it up together. But mm. it's just trying to get as much as possible. But we, as English coaches in general, this is, we've got to get them out, broaden the horizon of, of English coaches because... You know, we look at all the big jobs in the big competitions around the world, Australians, Kiwis, South Africans, um, Indians, you know, these sort of people are, you know, the, they're in those jobs. There's not many English guys who are, you know, are taking up those roles. Trez, I, I don't know if you've uh, listened to the three um, first episodes of the uh, Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club. Welcome to the club, by the way. You will get a cap eventually. Yes, thank uh, when, you. When we have some made, budgets are a bit tight, so they'll, they'll come. Um, but if you have been listening, we have an eight-year-old girl called Megan who's got into cricket 
And she right. she generally asks a question every week to our guests. Uh, she's got you a belter. Here you go. Oi, banger! Hey, guess what? I know you love sausages, and my favourite meal is bangers and mash. I need help with my batting. What's the most colourful bat you can get? Also, you're left-handed. What advice can you give me? Well, I better look after my, one of my old sponsors <laughs> who still look after me, I suppose, isn't I? And uh, so there's lots of good grey nickel bats out there that you would uh, enjoy using. Um, I'm sure they'll have some amazing colours for you. Um, what about Gunnar Moore? Yeah, I know, but I finished with grey nickels, didn't I? I was with Gunnar Moore for a long period of time, but... It was still great as well. It's just uh, Grey Nichols still look after me now. Oh, that's disappointing, Trez. Anyway, what about a tip for little Megan? She's just going to cricket. What about tips for an eight-year-old getting into... Uh, batting left-handed, bat- she was specifically asking. Yeah, batting left-handed. I would say watch the ball and whack it when you can do. What, if, keep it simple. <laughs> in the air or on the ground? What, what, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. Have fun whacking the ball. And Enjoy doing that. That's the best you, way forward. Would you, re- would you recommend all kids to play all the ramps, the tricks, the flicks, the reverses? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because definitely it's the way forward. Enjoy yourself playing them. So it's like trying to entertain. And, you know, that's what it's all about in the back garden. And it's scooping dad over the hedge or whatever it may be. Or scooping mum into the next field garden or something. Um, Maybe put a helmet on first, ball. otherwise it could be expensive orthodontic yeah. treatment. <laughs> Tennis balls would be all right. Yeah, true. Oh, just, that's great, Trez. I mean, can we? Can I just ask you about the, the, the Trembridge evening? So, so what happens? You win the Test match. I did see one or two pictures on the balcony later with uh, one or two. Yeah. Uh, maybe with the odd Lardy Darcy gar and a glass yeah. of red wine. Just what happened in the dressing room the next few hours? Um. I was only there for a certain period of time. Unfortunately, I had to leave early to, to get home. Um, but for the period of time I was there, there was a, there was a few very silly drinking games and um, good, some real great conversations of the team being sat together and, and enjoying the, the moments um, of celebratory stuff from, from an exceptional day, an exceptional couple of innings from, from various people. I'm so glad... I wasn't in the kebab shop with the rest of them because I would have been looking at the kebab like uh, Ollie Pope was probably, and it would have been even worse for me. So, um, but I did have a little chuckle when I saw some of the the photos on on guys' sort of social media stuff the next day. The, the, the boys, the boys still celebrate victories well, do they, Trez? Yeah, very much so. When, when there's opportunity, I think when there's when there's chance in between games, when you you know you need to. You know, to have down tools and you know let off steam a little bit. Um, you know, up and down. You know, get up for the test matches, drop down for a period of time. We've had a week off in between, so they have that ability to be able to enjoy themselves um, and then recover and get back in ready for the for this week. So um, I think you have to. I think you really need that release of of the pressure, the high situation of the game. Five days of intense cricket. Um, you know, you need to have a little break from it. Trez, uh, I, I, the listeners will be exactly like me going, wait a minute, you've mentioned a drinking game. Which one was it? Which one? Uh, no, I don't, so when the um, the presentation was going on, um, a few of the crowd were starting to shout up to the balcony about getting the boys to down drinks. And I think it was Ollie Pope. Have you ever seen Popey down a pint? <laughs> so it suddenly started that then he didn't do it because he was a bit worried because it was on the balcony and it was straight after the test match. But it went round the whole changing room as everybody sort of necking beers and stuff like that. Very stupid. 
kids, you know, as they do when they've had a few too many beers. Um, <laughs> My mantra when I played was, win or lose, we're on the booze. If we draw, we'll have some more. So, you know what I mean? They can't get <laughs> <Yeah>. worse than that. <laughs> You're never going to go wrong there, can you? really. <laughs> uh, the most important aspect of your, uh, your interview is now Phil Tufnell, uh, the cat, he gives you uh, five questions that you must answer, one or the other, either or. It's, it's Okay. This is tough. Okay. This will go viral, so please just uh, <laughs> study your answers quite quickly. Over to you, Phil. Thanks very much, Mike. Um, okay, Trez, here we go. Question number one. Somerset or England? Oh, oh cat, come on. <laughs> that is, that's unfair. No, you got one, oh, one, only God. one, Trez. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's very, very tricky. I'm trying to think it's of the right answer. Question. First question. First question. Rips Norter. to open with. Only one, Trez. Okay, I'll have to go England. Good boy. Ooh, don't say that. You didn't want to say that. <laughs> welcome back in Taunton. Here we go. Okay. Walls or local butchers special sausages? Local butchers comfortably. Oh, there you go. Lovely. 100 or Vitality Blast? 100. Oh, okay. Lovely. Um, As you're a Somerset boy, cider or beer? Cider. Cider. And the last one. Uh, Mike, you might want to put your fingers in your ears for this one. Strauss or Vaughan to open the batting with? Strauss, comfortably. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he used to run you out. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Brilliant. Great to chat to Marcus Truscossic there. Um, what a nice guy. Top man. Oh, he's one of the best. He's one of the uh, one of the great guys of the game. Brilliant player. Uh, as my lieutenant as a as a as a vice captain you know um, a part of the leadership group he was incredible for me you know yeah. just that calming influence and you can you tell by the way he chats he'll have that same influence on this group of players i also i, I feel he's, he's really energized by being around um a, a new coach in in, in brendan mcculloch yeah. that wants to style of cricket i think he he'll be more aligned to teaching and and telling the players about that style of cricket uh, loving the fact that the England players celebrated with kebabs, <laughs> like Lockville. I, I think that's important. Uh, but you know, I, 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 and I really enjoy the fact that he wants to be a head coach in time. You know, yeah. he's clearly enjoying the ambition. Coach. Yeah, and he, you know, I think he's right. English coaches do need more opportunity. You know, the, the hundred should be led by English yeah. coaches. That should be our opportunity to give them experience and. Hopefully um, the ECB can get that right in time and put a few English coaches in charge. Yeah, Mike, you've always said that when you played with him, he was he was up there with the best, didn't you? I, I honestly think if it had not gone through, um, you know, his illnesses, he'd have broken all the records yeah. across all the formats. I think he'd have got well over ten thousand test runs. Probably the same in one day cricket. Um, you know, he had an ability to. You know, and he said something there about, you know, you, you want to try and make sure that you're asking a question of a ball. Yes, you've got to be able to defend the good balls, but you've got to be able to put, um, you know, your your kind of mindset and game on, onto the bowler to feel that they're under pressure. And there was not many better than, than Triscothic. They've been able to just lean on a drive, just flip one through mid-wicket, you know, play that back foot kind of square punch. Uh, he, he was a glorious timer of a cricket ball, and he would have got, thousands and thousands of more runs if it had not gone through his uh, illnesses. Yeah, and it, it sounds like he's fully bought into the McCullum philosophy, but he obviously yeah. he still has 
um, enough of a personality that he will. And he said it there that he'll he'll be um, providing counter views uh, and dissenting voices if if he feels like they're not going the right way. Yeah, but I, you know, I think you know from from where English cricket has been in the last couple of years in Test cricket to suddenly have a coach that goes to the team at tea on day five. <laughs> we're winning, we're winning or losing this. We're not drawing. It. Yeah, I just think it's a freedom, and and I think sometimes at the highest level, if you can say the the fear of losing away from a player, we're, no, the coach basically, I don't care if we lose as long as we go for the win. Yeah, but I think it's a refreshing mindset, um, you know, and someone that. You know, in terms of Triscothic, he, he he liked that style. He, he liked being around a team that played that style of cricket. Uh, and, you know, he was a, around a group of people that, at the time, back in the day, I wouldn't say we played as risky or as aggressive as we saw Johnny Bairstow play, but we were around a team and a group of people that tried to play a, a game that was quite aggressive around two, three, four and five. So he's the perfect style of person to be yeah. around. Baz McCullum, Ben Stokes... But also, he was aggressive himself as a player. Triscothic was very, very oh, aggressive. Yeah. Brilliant white ball player, brilliant test player. So he's a really good batting guru for these young players to have around. Yeah. Hypothetical situation, but say, say we'd um, won at Lords, then drawn at Trent Bridge, and at Headingley we're in a similar situation, tracing, yeah. chasing 200, high 200s, um, on, a, on a reasonable batting track. Would they be going for it again? Or are there any voices within that team who are saying... You know, hang on. If we draw, we win yeah. the series. Well, th- th- this is why I asked him that question. You know, back in the day, we're one nil up, and in that situation, as Mike said, one sixty at sea. Okay, well, we might have a little go for it, and then we're going to shut up shop. I think there will be voices knocking around. I'm not quite sure. You might know more than me, Mike. That we'll say, hold on, boys. You know what I mean? You know, we're up here. It's the last Test match. Let's just get the series win because then you do build confidence and you've got that win under your belt. There's no. There's, I think that with with Brendan as well, there won't be that sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, sort of frivolous attitude. I like it, Phil. Frivolous. I, I also don't. I, I think they'll always go for it. I think they have to. I think Brendan McCullum is that style of personality. Ben Stokes is also the challenge in the Test will come. You know, when you play in Australia, you know, when it's the ultimate pressure and playing Australia, are, are you going to commit to playing this style of cricket throughout the whole of an Ashes series, which will create opportunities for the Aussies because they're such a strong attack? But I look at this England team now and, and think for them to beat Australia, I think they have to scare them with this style of cricket. Yeah. Because you know, in a year's time, England aren't suddenly going to have a world class spinner. Yeah. You know, Broad and Anderson are a year older. You know, will the quick bowlers be back bowling? We'll have to wait and see. So I, I think the way that they could get Australia next year is by being ultra-aggressive with the bat. And you know what? They may have the odd week, and if it's at the start of the series, it goes completely pear-shaped. It could be a disaster. It could be a nightmare for them. But I do think that that's the way to play against this Aussie team. Yeah. I think it might scare them. You look at India when they beat uh, Australia in Brisbane. Yeah. Rishabh Pant, Washington yeah. Sunnah, went out and played really aggressively and it looked like they lost a little bit of their their control, Australia. So I do think this Aussie side are beatable if you play that aggressive way, but it is very risky. Good stuff. So maybe we should move on to the mailbag now. We didn't have it last week because of the, the chaos of Trent Bridge. I mean, some of these are a week or so old, but I think still good enough that we should be discussing them there was yeah. uh, particularly enjoyed a, a tweet from one 
Piers Morgan, who enjoyed oh. our chat with David Gower. Uh, he's David, a- all right, Piers, yeah, I saw that tweet. He, yeah. he, he put Gower in his all-time 11 characters and performers, didn't he? he all-time, yeah, he said all-time, he would bat number three in his all-time England 11, both on and off the pitch. So, yeah. Uh, uh, okay. They loved the interview. Hilarious and fascinating in equal measure. Hilarious and fascinating is, uh, I think, exactly what we're going for. Um, <laughs> Top that, please. Um, on, the, on the back of the Ricky Clark controversy, which we talked about in the second episode, um, I wrote an article uh, about the spirit of cricket and the various sort of esoteric rules and customs at different clubs around the country and asked people to write in with the wackiest ones they'd come across. Um, one comment from Mike Deverell, uh, was about the most English thing I think I've ever read. He wrote that in uh, in the late 60s, there was a club in Norfolk where on Sunday there was an unwritten rule that they would always bat first so that the local vicar could open the batting, head off to prepare for Evensong after tea and then join everyone in the pub afterwards. Absolutely. Sounds like my kind of vicar, that does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you'd be quick to forgive. <laughs> what did the average... <laughs> it doesn't yeah. say, but I mean, if he if he's uh... we want to know his average. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll write right back to Mike, and uh, you are you are forgiven, us. Mike. Yes, you are forgiven, my son. <laughs> Next one, you are forgiven. Yeah, yeah. Umpire, umpire, that wasn't down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- I mean, this this one is also spectacularly English, and uh, I mean, obviously, we only recently had the Jubilee weekend. This is written in from a guy called Howard Mayers, who also in the late sixties said he played for a wandering side called the Dolphin Wanderers based in a pub in south-east London. They had an annual fixture, which was against the Royal Household at Windsor. Right. Beautiful ground, picturesque pavilion, and the best tea of the season, as you would, uh, as you would expect, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he used to open the bowling with his brother. One year, one of the household's batsmen at his end indulged in a spe- spectacular piece of sledging. As he was pacing out his run-up, he nodded towards a Jaguar parked on the boundary and said, how does it feel to know that Her Majesty is watching you bowl? Oh, like that. <laughs> First yeah. ball wide, second ball full toss clattered for four. He said he eventually found his line of length, but was rather pleased when the Jaguar drove off. Yeah, the wandering dolphins, eh? Dolphin, mm. dolphin wanderers. It must be very tricky for a dolphin to wander around. Yeah, fish out of water. <laughs> Wandering. It's not a fish, a mammal. Before anything. Oh well, yes, come on. Get your uh, <laughs> get your animals right. Uh, and there's this email from a guy called Mark Dexter. He said he he's got knackered knees and uh, same here. He, he, he can, same. Well, he same. was a wicketkeeper. <laughs> yeah, same here actually. But he was a wicketkeeper and he now umpires instead. Uh, and he uh, umpires at the Lansdowne Cricket Club in Bath. Um, and when he started doing it, he was issued with a beeper because the pitch is next to a hospital with an A&E department. Uh, and the beeper is to let you know if an air ambulance is coming into land. Nice. All right. So if the beeper beeps once, you've got 10 minutes uh, and you can finish the over. If it beeps twice, it means the helicopter is only five minutes away. Play yeah. has to stop immediately. Stumps pulled out of the ground, and you've got to leave the field. Well, I should imagine so. Yeah, very, very, very sensible to have a beeper. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, the wicketkeeper, wicketkeeper umpires—they make very good umpires because they give them out. I can remember a time I was playing. I was <laughs> playing, and we needed one wicket, and it was a beautiful day, and it was on the. We were just coming up to lunch, and we were going. We needed one wicket, you know, to to win the game, and I'm bowling, and. Um, 
the umpires told me this bloke had stuck in. He had been batting for about an hour and a half. He'd been batting. And then as I'm walking back, I bowled my first ball. And then I've walked back and uh, the umpire's gone, hey, toughers, just hit him on the pads. <laughs> and, I've got, and I've gone, what? He said, toughers, he said, listen, it's coming up to lunch. He said, I've got to get in my car. I've got to get up to Manchester. I've got to do this. <laughs> he said, just hit him on the pads. This bloke's batting me into a traffic jam. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I bowled, I bowled this arm ball, which was sort of going down leg side a little bit like that, and it's hit him on the pads, and no one's appealed. And then I've sort of looked round after about a second or two. I've gone, "How's that?" Like that? He's gone, "Yeah, that's out. That's out." Pick the stumps up and walked off. Oh, that's great. pretty, pretty, pretty rare. Uh, uh, you're batting me into I a traffic I barely jam. bother to um, appeal these days because um, everything gets turned down. Yeah, love that. Oh, you're, you're, a bit grumpy with your umpires, are you, in your, your league? Yeah, well, it's always the... Oh, I, I play for Blackheath Twos. Actually, talking of which, two weekends ago, <laughs> I, I need to nominate myself for the oh. Colin de Grandhomme Dishonour Board. Oh, lovely. Uh, because oh, right. I, I, I produced absolutely my worst performance on a cricket pitch ever. Oh, go on. Go on. So I, uh, we batted first. I got a two-ball duck. Oh, yeah. I got cleaned out, played over one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then uh, I didn't bowl when we fielded. No. And two balls into their innings, ball goes up, left hander clips it around the corner. I was at square leg, uh, and uh, <laughs> teammate at mid-, mid wicket. We both went for it. Neither of us called, um, and I knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. You, you, you've knocked more people out in your game than you got runs yeah. or wicket delivery. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Up there I, 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 I genuinely think that the cricketing gods were were punishing me for for us being rude to to Big Cole. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was pretty bad. I I was geezering blood out of my nose. Oh no. Um, and I knocked out a lovely guy in our team called Ronnie. So apologies to Ronnie. Yeah. Um, and he he had to go off and, <laughs> and couldn't play on anymore. <laughs> feeling a bit nauseous after that. Uh, I I had to. But now we were down to ten players. I I felt I'd better play on. So I just sort of cleaned myself up, <laughs> changed shirts. And you had to. My, what, my shirt looked like a sort of Jackson Pollock. Painting, so I got, took that off, put a different shirt on, but it was uh, it was not good, not impressive. No. And you had to pay for the privilege of doing that, did you? Well, yeah, well, we play we play subs now. Uh, what, 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 what's subs cost these days? What we're we talking? Well, are we at our club we pay at the beginning of the season, so you don't have to keep on turning up with it. So um, oh, for the whole season, it's like two hundred and forty quid, something like that. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice, nice knockout. Well done. <laughs> Okay, and we've also got this email from Charlie Toby. Uh, he's saying, I'm just writing because I've heard through the podcast that you want to do a live video from a cricket club. So this was your ideas, Mike, that we uh, we do a live podcast yes. at the end of this season. Uh, he said, I am a member of Brockhampton Cricket Club in Hertfordshire and have, have been since the age of four. During this time, however, I have fallen seriously ill and have required three liver transplants from the age of two weeks old until now. Thankfully, I'm all very healthy now and play for my cricket club every weekend. My surgeon is also an avid cricket fan, and we often used to talk about cricket before surgery as it settled my nerves. Since my last transplant in 2015, we have held a cricket match every year in celebration. This wonderful game was held last weekend, and despite my team's best efforts, the doctors prevailed. 
I suppose that after saving my life a few times, I don't really mind them winning the cricket. Also, I hope to raise money for an amazing charity called Split, which myself, along with my mother and family, have already raised well over £100,000. So that's pretty impressive. Um, wow. Sounds yeah. like a club that is uh, deserving of consideration. Absolutely. Yes, I think they're, uh, they're certainly in the hunt, yeah. as they say. Where is where is Brockhampton? Uh, Herefordshire. Herefordshire, yeah. Herefordshire. We, uh, Did I say Hertfordshire? I meant Herefordshire. Herefordshire. So we'll we'll have to get all the um, applicants in from yeah. all these clubs, and then we'll have to like a, an awards ceremony. We'll have to wickle them down to the final three, and then we'll have to choose one. Yeah, yeah. good idea. But that's a great start. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk, and you can also find all three of us on Twitter. We'll be answering your questions and reading out your emails every single week, so please do get in touch. Right, that's about all we have time for today. A big thank you to Michael Vaughan and Phil Tufnell, as always, and a special thanks to Marcus Triscothic for joining us today. We wish him and the rest of the England setup the best of luck ahead of Thursday's Test match with New Zealand. Mike, Phil and I will be back same time next week to digest and discuss the third and final test and the series as a whole. In the meantime, you can check out our previous interviews with the new Managing Director of England Cricket, Rob Key, England legend David Gower and ex-New Zealand captain Jeremy Coney over on the Vaughan and Tuffers Cricket Club channel. Thanks to everyone for downloading this episode and your continued support. If you've enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. That's it for now. Until next week, goodbye.